Today, Lord, we are thankful to you for the body of Christ. And we thank you that you have put people in the body, all types, all kinds, and you placed us here. <laughs> Today, we are grateful that you have blessed us beyond measure. We really cannot thank you enough for all that you are doing and have done for us. We are a blessed people, a people that's been called by God Almighty. And we pray that we will recognize that we are special to you, Lord, and that you have called us to live a holy life, a forgiving life. We pray that when we have been sinned against, that we will handle matters according to how the word of God tells us and shows us how we are to do. May we be mindful that when, when we touch the lives of people in the body of Christ, we are touching the life of the Almighty God. And we thank you right now. Now today we pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And help us to be careful to give you the glory and the praise. We give you all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. I'm going to read the exact same passages as I did last week. Or at least the first passage in, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Now, as you remember, this is part two. We're going to pick up with verse number, with point number three. I will actually mentioned to you points one and two, but today we're going to continue the, the text, the message from last week. Now, I want you to keep in mind that forgiveness is not a one-time event or occurrence. You don't forgive a person one time or forgive a person once in life and you never have to forgive anybody else. You're going to be constantly Needing to forgive people because people are, are always going to do things to offend. And so we always have to be ready and in a state of being prepared to forgive individuals, the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile. And a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. I'm not going to read Deuteronomy. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Point number one last week that we went over was called First Things First. First Things First. 
We gave you a Greek word pronounced upage, literally means depart, to go off. If someone offends you, you are to go and you are to show that person their fault just between the two of you. You're not to go get a tin can, tie a rope to it, get another tin can, string it all the way across town and tell the person one of your friends, that someone offended you. No, you are to go to the person that offended you. You are not to get on your cell phone and start texting your best friend about what somebody has done to you. You are to go to the person directly. You are to depart and go and just between the two of you. That's the first point that we made last week. The second point was... When the first approach fails, when the first approach fails, that would be Matthew 18, 16. When we consider that if a person refuses to repent, someone has sinned against you, you go to them and they say, I ain't repenting or I haven't done you wrong. You then are to go and get two, one or two other people, witnesses, and go back to the person And try to get them to repent. I am convinced that the church has oftentimes done things backwards when it comes to repentance and forgiveness. We hold people for years and then we expect them to come to us. The Bible says that you, if you are the one that's offended... In our passage, you are to go to the person and show them. Oftentimes we feel, I don't want to stir up trouble. I don't want to really tell them what they've done. No, go and tell them. You did this. This is is what you did to me. You were wrong. Maybe not just like that, but I want to talk to you. We have an obligation in the body of Christ to go and get things right so that there is A right relationship in the church. It's not easy. I think the church wants things to be easy. But I want you to know something. You really don't appreciate things as much when they come too easy. You might think you do oftentimes, but you really don't appreciate it. Give you an example in point. If somebody was to give you money and you lost it, You might be upset, but you might not be that upset. You might say, oh, well, I didn't have it in the first place. They gave it to me. Oh, oh, well. But if you worked for some money, put your effort and labor into it and got paid, you'd be looking, where's my money? I lost my money. And you would be kind of frantic looking because why? You put something in it. And so the value is different for you because you've got stake in the game. When first things fail, when a, you have gone to a person, they says, I'm not going to repent. And then you go with others and they still don't repent. There is a third thing that this passage tells us to do. And this is where we will be today. Point number three, the role of the church with an unrepentant brother or sister. The role of the church with the unrepentant brother or sister. That's primarily Coming from Matthew eighteen seventeen, 
Avoiding gossip can be a challenge for any church. Avoiding gossip. If one is not careful to remember his or her role and the goal, one can be sidetracked and run after tangents that do not that do no good but cause further harm. Tangents, gossips, will cause trouble for you. If you are trying to keep a matter down or secret, if you're trying to keep a, a matter under wraps and you're not wanting it to spread, you've got to remember that you've got to handle your business in the right way. What gossip does, it takes a matter, it takes a situation, and it goes and it spreads it in a way that it should not be spread. We've got to be very careful. The time that the Lord needs to address the disciples and teach them is very critical at this point. Their initial focus was so off, yet so important to address, because this current teaching allowed Jesus to show them four things. Number one, to maintain and keep focus on that which is most important. When he began to tell them the very thing that they needed to focus on when they were concerned about who was the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven or who was the greatest among them, when the Lord began to teach them and to show them how true greatness is, is achieved, his teaching helped them to maintain and keep focus on that which is most important. The second thing, under this point number three, is how to evaluate that which made one great in the eyes of God. You note that the Lord never did say, oh, you should not strive for greatness. But he said, this is what makes a person great. When he took that child and how you serve. Number three, how to be careful in offending another disciple. One has to be very careful when one offends another believer. You see, when you look at the matter of a child in the scriptures, it is a spiritual depiction of a person who may be weak in their faith or new to the body of Christ. And so he takes the child and places that child in the middle, but that child represents a disciple who may be young in the faith. Number four, his teaching helped him to know how to handle the matter when one is sinned against. So you've got to be careful when you sin against someone, and then he shows them how to handle the matter when you are sinned against. The church does not and cannot operate as the world thinks. We don't have the same mindset as the world. So stop trying to live by the world's standards. The world has a code of conduct. They have a way of operating that is different than the church when it comes to spiritual matters. And oftentimes to physical matters. Somebody may tell you, oh, don't you, you know, the government gets enough of this. Don't report. You ain't got to report that. When the Lord says, be faithful and honest. Nobody will know. We don't live with the concept and idea that nobody will know. We live with the conviction that God sees everything and we are doing things to please him because he's going to be the one that's going to reward us and judge. The world believes that to speak of and teach holy living in the body of Christ is an insult and therefore they ridicule the word of God. By the light, it it shines on their dark deeds. When I was in Washington, D.C., we used to go visit 
cockroaches are all over the place. You turn on the light and they gone. You see them go inside the cabinet, open the cabinet. Where did they go? How did they hide so quickly? Turn the light out, come back in a few minutes, there they are again. When light is shined on a problem, it exposes that and they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be in the light. I ain't calling the world cockroaches. No, don't be going to pastor calling. Your pastor said you a cockroach. No, I did not. Might act and live like cockroaches, but they're not no cockroach. When the light is shined on a problem, the world does not want it to be revealed. They like to operate in the dark. The church is mentioned here in our passage, and in also it's also mentioned back in Matthew sixteen eighteen, and it is to the church that the Lord has given His plan. When the world talks about, well, I don't know why you go to church, and they're trying to understand spiritual things, they can't. And there's some people are agreeing with him. You, you know, you're right. Well, yeah, you know you're right. Yeah, maybe I should change my mind. It's the world. They don't think like the church. You can't take your directions from the world. You need to put your finger up and tiptoe away when they start talking. Some of y'all don't get that. When people are going out to church, they come times as if they're going to be seen. That one finger, excuse me. I see you. <laughs> I don't know where that came. I'm gonna have to look that up and find out where did that come from. Walking out to church, putting up one finger. <laughs> I know it says "cute," but still, I can see you. <laughs> the church locally has a role in helping to bring pressure. On a person that will not repent. The Lord says that if a person has refused to repent in the church, a brother or sister, and they have not responded, one, to the individual offended going to them, nor a witness or two going to them, the Bible says, tell it to the church. It does not mean the crowd on Sunday morning. No, 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 no. I'm not telling every, telling y'all, some of y'all, everything will come on Sunday. Some of y'all come on Wednesday night, I might tell you. But it does not mean all of the people that gather on a Sunday. You have to use wisdom and discernment when there is a matter that has to be discussed in the church. Thank God for phones. Sometimes you got to have conference calls. We had one not long ago. You got to address some matters in a way with your leaders. The church has a role in bringing pressure on a person to repent when they have not responded before. And God has given the authority to the body of Christ. Again, it is for the purpose of having a brother or sister repent. 
and to have a proper relationship with the brother that they offended as well as with the body at large. Now the context is Jewish. When the Lord says this, look at with me at Matthew 18, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now the context is Jewish. And when the Lord is relating this, tax collectors and Gentiles were looked at and were considered unbelievers. They were not in the fold. So when a person was looked at as a tax collector, a Gentile, they were seen as being on the outside. They are not a part of the body of Christ. You see, when Rome was in power, they had to collect taxes. And so some of the Jewish people that were in bondage, they went to work for the Roman government, and they were ones that would go out and collect the tax. Now, what some of them did, they actually added a little extra to what the Roman government asked for, and they put an additional tax there, and they became hated because they said, here you are, a Jewish person working for the Roman government, and you are then also applying added tax, and you are overcharging us. And they were hated. And then the Gentile, well, they, they were hated because they weren't, they weren't Jewish. They were not a part of God's chosen people. So when the Lord says this, it would be well understood in the Jewish mind that they were to be considered and to be treated as one that is on the outside. Now this is what the Lord says. Treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. They understood this. The disciples got this. Now we need to be very careful. Because there is the tendency when a person has been given the authority or permission in the Bible to do certain things, that we can overdo it and miss the point. You see, you're not in a position and you're not trying to convict a person and trying to run a person down so that they're just destroyed. No, it is so that they would come to the point to where they feel so bad that they will get it right. Do you not know one of the, the things that most people just hate is isolation? They don't want to be isolated. People sometimes in institutions, no, don't send me to that room alone. They don't want to be isolated. They want to be around people. They want to be a part of. But to be a part of the body, you've got to come into conformity with the word of God. Church discipline is a part of God's plan. I'm so tired of hearing People on the, people, various ones, when I hear on the, the news and hear on the radio and just hear, God is love. Yes, yeah, God's love. But God has discipline and he has given the church the authority to impose and have discipline. You see, you, you, you can't, you can't just do anything you want to do. 
And there's a way to handle some situations, because you've got to handle some situations outside sometimes of the norm and handle some situations separately. But discipline has to be a part of the organization of the church. And this is what the Lord is teaching them. What he's showing them in the passage of how a person is to be treated is dealing with discipline. And I tell you this, it is not always easy to impose discipline. You know why? Because you run smack into the pride of people. Sometimes you you come into an overbearing ruler. Well, you just got to do what I told you to do. No, wait a minute. This is what the Word of God says. In other words, when you are going towards somebody, you are speaking speaking to them, it is for the purpose of trying to help them to be a part of. It's for reconciliation in the body of Christ. So one has to be very, very careful. You see, way back in the day at times, when people were growing up in the saints, the saints of God, oh yeah, they, they could be very, very tough. And, and thank the Lord for, for some more leniency in certain things because there are certain things, oh, oh no, they, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you, you better not do this. You better not be out there playing no marbles on no Sunday. That's a sin, playing marbles on Sunday. Boy, I tell you, here we are playing bed whiz on Sunday, and, you know, and play, they playing dominoes. A group over here playing cards, another playing dominoes, and another over here telling jokes. Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm. Back in the day, no, 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 no. Sunday, holy day. Yes, there's a place, but there's also the matter of relationship. We live with a great and an awesome God who's made everything, yet it's having the right perspective, friendship, relationship. Let, let me say this. When my dad was living, anybody and everybody could go to 23 Park Circle. You could be a first-time visitor. Where you going? You got any place to go? Come on with me to my house. You can come up and have dinner with us. And lo and behold, there would be people up there just got here for the first time up to having dinner because that's how he made people feel. He made them feel welcomed. He invited them in. And Kurt, come on, you can come with us. That's who he was as an individual. He loved people. Welcoming, welcoming. That's how the body of Christ is to be. Welcoming people in. Helping people to, to assimilate into the body of Christ. First time you come, what you, what you doing? And no, 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 you can't sit there. You sit over there. Help us, Lord. How, how do we welcome people in? Tell you, I went to that church back in, in, in Louisiana that time. I keep telling you that. That has stuck with me. Going to the church and nobody said anything to me. During the time of greeting, not one, but me and the visitor greeted each other. There was one visitor there, and we greeted each other. Hello, how are you? I'm a visitor, but me too. (laughs) Sat back down. Not one person from that church said anything. And here I am, standing outside waiting for a cab, and they standing around. Not one person said, hello. How is it that the body of Christ that is, is 
has a mandate to proclaim the word of God and draw people in and preach the word to help people to hear the word so that their souls are saved don't have time to say hi. What are we doing? We have a responsibility as a church, as a people, to welcome people in. Now, church discipline is for the body. Now, this is what the Lord is laying out for the disciples. This is one of the ways you handle church discipline. Now, get this. Everyone that goes to church is not a member. No, no, no. Everybody that just goes to church is not a member. I tell you, I've got members and I don't even know who they are. I'm a member of Pastor Small Church. And I get, who? who? Your member. My member, what's their name? I never heard of them. Haven't seen them. Ain't seen an envelope. Ain't seen, ain't, they not my member. Well, they said they were your member. Just because they drove by the church don't make them a member. There's expectation for members. There's a code of conduct for members. There's fellowship with members. We can have fun as members. Membership doesn't mean just because a person said I'm a member, they're a member. No. Verse number 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing. Have you ever heard, I bind you, say, I loose. Have you ever heard people say that? We, we, we say that. But you see, what does it really mean? The Lord mentions it here, but he mentions it in the context of the church discipline and this matter of binding. Most times when the matter of binding comes up, it is dealing with the matter of a person dealing with an unruly person, you know, or say not bind you. Um, but let's take a, a, a look at this here briefly. Let me let me read a scripture. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. I'm going to read a, a few passages that still deals with the matter of how we are to handle discipline. Okay? Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. And because of my time, I'm not going to be able to wait till everyone finds it. I'm just going to go there and read it. Leviticus 19, verse 17 says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall, re- you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Listen, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly. In other words, when a person has done wrong, and we're getting still to the matter of binding and loosening, but when a person has done wrong, even in Leviticus, it says you are to confront the person frankly. Not rudely, but directly. With what it is that they have done. Turn with me over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians is right after the book of Romans chapter 5 verses 12 and 13. I'm just going to read it. 1 Corinthians 5 verses 12 and 13. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Turn right over with me to 
um, right through chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. When one of you has a, has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you know, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Now, this is not talking about those who have offended you in the world. It is talking about matters related to the church. If you take a church matter to the judge that deal with sin or the outside, they're not going to necessarily make a right judgment. Why would you do this? This is what Paul is saying. The church has been given this matter to deal with this matter of judging inside the church. So when a person deals with this issue now of loosing and binding, it is dealing with the matter of that which is either forbidden to do or that which is permitted. Binding deals with that which is basically forbidden. Don't do it. Loosing deals with that which means to permit something. So when the Lord mentions this, one needs to understand that God has already sanctioned the church to have an official role in dealing with discipline. And when it's done according to God's way, you have the backing of heaven itself based on what you've done. Because why? You have carried out the discipline according to the word of God. So whatever you bind or forbid, it's been done according to the word of God. You've got heaven's backing. Whatever you permit based on the word of God, you have heaven's backing. So binding and loosing is something that's been given to the church based on the word of God that deals with forbidding something or permitting something. (laughs) So the context suggests that one has the full authority of heaven to make a judgment, to make a judgment in matters that have been outlined by God and followed by the believer the witnesses, and the church. People have been bound, rebuked at various times, as I've said. But remember this. We do these things based on God's word, based on the authority that he has given. It has the sanction of heaven fully behind it because it is following what he says. Verse 19, it says, Matthew 18, verse 19 Give me five minutes or less, and I will be done. My goodness, you and Sister Nisha, y'all, y'all in a tight race, Brother Jerry. <laughs> Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, this deals with prayer. Have you noticed that Jesus says that when believers as few as two or three come together in his name, that they have the full support of heaven? When two or three come together, listen carefully, in his name. Now what's significant about this is that when you come together in Christ's name, if there's somebody who has done you wrong, 
You've got to get it right in order to have his presence with you. When you consider back on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.23, the Bible says if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has an art against you, leave your gift there and go get it right. That's what the Word of God says. You have to get it right. In other words, isn't it interesting that you begin to pray and all of a sudden you have certain thoughts thoughts start coming through your mind. And what the Lord will oftentimes do, he'll bring to your very remembrance something that you need to clean up. And right in the time, at the time when you're supposed to be praying, he says, stop the praying and go get it cleaned up. Then come back. Oh, no, I need to get my prayer on. No, you don't. You need to go clean it up first. Then come back. Now, the Bible says, when they gather in my name, I'll be there in the midst and my father will answer the prayer. You've got the father and the son. And note this, it is prayer that he hears. It's prayer. It's prayer. Prayer is so difficult at times. Because why? It's something where the enemy tries to keep you from doing. We must not overlook that when we come together in prayer, we have to take the steps that the Lord says that we need to do in order to get the answer to our prayers. The reason that some of our prayers are lagging is because we have not taken the steps. The reason some people are so miserable on the inside is because they are holding people and have not released the situation. And therefore, they cannot get deliverance because of harboring the anger and the sin and the guilt. In our current passage, as I bring this to a close, in our current passage, it is when your brother has sinned against you that you have a responsibility to take. And once you have gone through and taken those steps, and then you have come together, whether it is dealing with a person who has refused to repent, repent and says, God, we've done everything that you said and they have not repented. We turn it over to you for discipline. We have done it according to your word. We have now put them on the outside. We are not going to associate with them as a brother or sister in Christ until they get it right. You always, though, leave the door open. Rarely today do churches ever get to that point. But it's something that is stated in the word of God. Your life, if it's plagued by problems, you need to evaluate if you're living in sin, first of all. You could be a Christian, yet living in sin. And then wonder why all kind of things are happening. Because sin. Then, when we get it right, says, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Things sometimes seem to get worse. Why? Because Satan says, see, you just about as well kept going because you, things got worse. No point in, see, see, you, the moment you started praying, things got worse. Yeah, the enemy got scared because you're saying, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Living for God is not easy. That's why I tell you the world, they think, they, they say the church, that's a cop out. No, they got it easy. They just, whatever way, whatever way the wind blows, that's how they go. They fold this way and they agree with that. But to take a stand, and so, no, 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 I, I don't agree with that. No, no, that's not how the Lord, how the Lord says it. I don't agree. Uh, um, you notice how people might come up to you later and say, I, I like what you had to say about that. Say it all privately and secretly. 
like Nicodemus. Oh, we, we know that you really are the Lord coming to Jesus at nighttime because he didn't want his cohorts to see him. Must be faithful. Stand to your feet, please. Prayer, prayer, prayer. When we say prayer changes things, get this. The Bible says that what you bind and loose after you have followed the procedure that God has laid out, you've got the full audience of heaven. When the Bible says, when you gather, Jesus says, you gather in my name, he says, man, my father will hear you and will answer your prayer. When you've got two gathered together, you've got a majority. Three people? Oh, my goodness. Don't let seven people come to prayer. Lord, oh, my goodness. What can be done? Then as I conclude, what is your prayer life like individually? Reconciliation, restoration of relationships is the key for the church. But be very careful of who you get caught up with when they, are, when they become upset, when discipline has been um, invoked or has come about. Well, I don't know why they did this to me. I agree with you. No, be careful who you side with. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful who you side with. Because you also are siding against, quite possibly, the Lord Almighty himself. Today, Lord, we thank you for the precious word of God. And we are thankful today that you have put discipline in the church. You have given the church the responsibility to make judgments about matters pertaining to the body. And oh my God, when we carry it out according to how you have said, Lord, we are on solid ground. We thank you right now that you love people so much that you don't want to have them stay in the condition, but you want people to repent so that there can be proper fellowship. We love you today. We honor you today. We thank you today. Oh, my God, for the privilege that you've given the church. The Bible says that, Lord, one day we're going to be involved in judging not only the world, but even angels, those that have rebelled against the almighty God. We pray today that we'll take this calling seriously and live life to the full glory of God. Now, as we leave this place today and go about our day, will you be with us? Will you bless us? Will you lead us, strengthen us, and guide us and help us to honor you? We love you for who you are in the precious name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you as you go about today. God bless you. God bless you.